and welcome to tonight's Zoomcast on Isaiah 40 through 41. Isaiah's prophecy, the Davidic king, warrior, and prophet. And tonight I will be reading from the Isaiah Institute's translation of Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort and give solace to my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Announce to her that she has served her term, that her guilt has been expiated. She has received from Jehovah's hand double for <coughs> all her sins. Now remember that the Zion-Jerusalem category are those of God's people who qualify for deliverance. And, you know, here again, Isaiah, you know, makes reference that even those who hearken unto him and are righteous have not sufficiently hearkened unto him. And so they require that they go into bondage for a period of time. And this is the Lord's final test for his people to see if they will remain true and faithful to him, despite being brought into bondage. And it gives them a last opportunity as they encounter severe bondage to finish the process of repentance and qualifying for deliverance. Now, she has received from Jehovah's hand double for all her sins. All right. Jehovah's hand um, in Isaiah, Jehovah has two hands. The left hand being the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. The right hand being the end time servant. And... It is the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, who bring God's people and even the whole earth into bondage. Now, if we go to Helaman chapter 10, we find out that the Lord's end time servant um, also plays a key role in in sealing up those who qualify for destruction to destruction, those who qualify for deliverance for deliverance, and those who are in the process of qualifying for deliverance, that hardship might be brought upon them, that they might repent and return. So in Helaman 10, we have the sealing of the second order of Melchizedek priesthood upon Nephi, the brother of Lehi. And the end time servant receives the same sealing of priesthood upon him before he comes on the scene. And to understand, you know, verse two, you know, speak kindly to Jerusalem, announce to her that she has served her term, that her guilt has been expiated. She has received from Jehovah's hand double for all her sins. 
Behold, a voice came unto him, saying, and we're going to put this into an end-time context. Blessed art thou, Nephi, for those things which thou hast done. For I have beheld how thou hast with unweariness declared the word which I have given unto thee, unto this people, and that thou hast not feared them and hast not sought thine own life, but hast sought my will and to keep my commandments. And now because thou hast done this with such unweariness, behold, I will bless thee forever, and I will make thee mighty in word and in deed. In faith and in works, yea, even that all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word, for thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. Behold, thou art Nephi, and I am God. Behold, I declared unto you in the presence of mine angels that ye shall have power over this people, and shall smite the earth with famine, and with pestilence, and destruction, according to the wickedness of this people. Behold, I give unto you power, that whatsoever ye shall seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and thus shall ye have power among this people. And thus if ye shall say unto this temple, it shall be rent in twain, it shall be done. And if ye shall say unto this <coughs> mountain, be thou cast down and become smooth, it shall be done. And behold, if ye shall say that God shall smite this people, it shall come to pass. And now behold, I command you, Ye shall go and declare unto this people that thus saith the Lord God, who is the Almighty, except ye repent, ye shall be smitten, even unto destruction. So, speak kindly to Jerusalem. Now, here the Lord is speaking to Isaiah. And Isaiah here represents a metaphor for the Lord's end-time servant. And... You know, here is the message that God gives his end-time servant to his people who keep covenant with him. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Announce to her that she has served her term. Just one moment. All right. So speak kindly to Jerusalem. The Lord is saying to his end-time servant to tell those who keep covenant with him. Announce to her that she has served her term. Because the end-time servant doesn't come on the scene until the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, has started his work of destruction in earnest and has brought all peoples into bondage. Uh, could I interrupt, Phil? Uh, I don't think you started the recording. Oh, it is going. Oh, sorry. No, I, I thank you for the check. Announce to her that she has served her term and her guilt has been expiated. So it would appear that the Lord's end time servant has something to do with bringing God's people into bondage, at least allowing them to go into bondage, that they might pass the final test in order to qualify for deliverance. She has received from Jehovah's hand double for all her sins. So even God's covenant people, you know, who enter into a covenant with him have need of additional repentance. 
And this bondage facilitates that additional repentance. And I would liken this unto um, Alma's people as he leaves the court of King Noah, repents, ascends up the spiritual ladder, and is sent back into the city of King Noah to gather out all who will hearken unto his words. You know, those who wouldn't hearken to Abinadi's words. Um, and so they're lowered down on the spiritual scale. And Alma's people, even though, you know, they have been baptized at the waters of Mormon, um, because they don't yet qualify for deliverance from bondage, they have to go into bondage for a period of time. And so it will be with us. A voice calls out. Just one moment. My computer screen does not want to scroll. Do you think it may be hacked by federal agents? I think it is certainly hacked by agents. There we go. Verse three, a voice calls out in the desert, prepare the way for Jehovah. Now, here in verse three, voice is a metaphor for the Lord's end time servant. In the desert, the desert is the, the barren wasteland that the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, has created of the entire earth. Now, in the desert, prepare the way for Jehovah in the wilderness. This is on the Exodus. And once New Jerusalem is established, the many exoduses that will commence from that point, that the Lord will provide sufficiency for his people. Just like the exodus that Moses led um, of the children of Israel out of Egypt. And the Lord uh, prepared manna and quail and water for them that they would not perish. So the Lord in a similar manner will prepare for the needs of his people who are called out on the exodus under the direction of his end time servant. Pave a straight highway for our God. Every ravine must be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground must become level and the rough terrain a plain. Now, let's cross-reference Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. Wilderness, an arid land shall be jubilant. The desert shall rejoice when it blossoms like the crocus. Joyously, it shall break out in flower. Singing with delight, it shall be endowed with the glory of Lebanon. 
the splendor of Carmel and Sharon, the glory of Jehovah and the splendor of our God, they shall see there. Strengthen the hands grown feeble, steady the failing knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, take courage, be unafraid. See your God is coming to avenge and to reward. God himself will come and deliver you. Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf, deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like deer and the tongue of the dumb shout for joy. Water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams flow in the desert. The land of mirages shall become one of lakes. The thirsty place springs of water in the haunt of howling creatures shall marshes break out. In the reserve shall come rushes and reeds. There shall be highways and roads, which shall be called the way of holiness. For they shall be for such as are holy. The unclean shall not traverse them. On them shall no reprobates wander. No lion shall be encountered there. Nor shall the wild beasts intrude, but, be re but the redeemed shall walk them. The ransomed of Jehovah shall return. They shall come singing to Zion, their heads crowned with everlasting joy. They shall have one joy and gladness when sorrow and sighing flee away. So these highways, these roads that are raised up, you know, they represent the exoduses of God's people to New Jerusalem. And once old Jerusalem is established again as a holy city to old Jerusalem. And those who lead these exoduses are God's end-time servants. Having been trained on the first exodus to establish New Jerusalem, and then being sent out under his direction. And therefore, the highways and roads shall be called ways of holiness. Isaiah 41. 17 through 20. When the poor and the needy require water, and there is none, and their tongues become parched with thirst. So again, we have this motif of worldwide bondage and desolation and deprivation. I, Jehovah, will answer their want. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up streams in barren hill country, springs in the midst of plains. I will turn the desert into lakes, parched lands into fountains of water. I will bring cedars and acacias, myrtles and oleasters in the wilderness. I will place cypress, elms, and box trees in the steppes that all may see it and know and consider it and perceive that Jehovah's hand did this, that the Holy One of Israel created it. Now, you know, these, these trees that are mentioned uh, represent end-time servants who are sent to the four corners of the earth to gather out his people. Those who will receive the doctrine of Christ with gladness and enter into the new and everlasting covenant, willing to receive whatever might be required of them for the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Isaiah 43, verses 16 through 22, thus says Jehovah who provides a way in the sea, 
a path through the mighty waters, who dispatches chariots and horses, armies of men in full strength. They lie down as one to rise no more. They flicker and die snuffed out like a wick. Never mind the prophecies of bygone events. Do not dwell on the things of the past. See, I do a new thing. It is now springing up. Surely you are aware of it. I am making roads through the desert, streams in the wasteland. The wild beasts do honor the jackals and birds of prey for bringing water to the wilderness, streams to the dry land that I may give drink to my chosen people. The people I formed for myself to speak out in praise of me. In Isaiah 49, verses 8 through 12. Thus says Jehovah, at a favorable time, I have answered you. In the day of salvation, I have come to your aid. I have created you and appointed you to be a covenant of the people, to restore the land and reapportion the desolate estates. So this covenant to the people is the Lord's end time servant to deliver them out of bondage and to bring them on an exodus to the promised land or new Jerusalem, that the Lord's covenant blessings to those who will enter into and keep covenant with him might be fulfilled. That on the end time exodus, all who are willing to pay the price or who truly desire might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus become sons and daughters of Christ, and then have access to that level of revelation in the heavens, whereby they might be instructed about how to enter into the rest of the Lord, preparatory to entering into the gates of New Jerusalem. I have created you and appointed you to be a covenant of the people, to restore the land and reapportion the desolate estates, to say to the captives, come forth, and to those in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the way and find pastures on all barren heights. They shall not hunger or thirst, nor be smitten by the heat wave or the sun. He who has mercy on them will guide them. He will lead them by springs of water. All my mountain ranges I will appoint as roads. My highways shall be on high. See these coming from afar, these from the northwest, and these from the land of Sinim. Shout for joy, O heavens, and celebrate, O earth. And you know, again, we have this concept of highways shall be on high. And, you know, this is denoting that the deliverance of God's people from the four corners of the earth, from bondage and from destruction, will be through miraculous means. Because those who are leading these exoduses will, like Nephi in Helaman chapter 10, be sealed to the second order of Melchizedek priesthood and have power over the elements, and will be able to, by miraculous means, deliver God's people and enable their trek through the wilderness to New Jerusalem. And Isaiah 51. 
verses 9 through 12. Awake, arise, clothe yourself with power, O arm of Jehovah. Now, the arm of Jehovah in this instance is the Lord's end time servant. And notice the call to him to awake and arise. He must receive everything that he received before. And clothing yourself with power is to do everything that is required to have the second order of Melchizedek priesthood sealed upon him, which is the path of ascension, which is the doctrine of Christ, as outlined in DNC 76, starting in verse 51. And it starts with baptism by water into the fullness of the gospel, the church of Christ. Verse 52, the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verses 53 and 54, entering into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Being sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, who is Jesus Christ? Thus having his calling <coughs> and election made sure. And his 54, verse 54 says, becoming a member of the church of the firstborn. And then, as verses 56 through 58 denote, becoming a king and a priest unto the Most High God, becoming a God, little g, even the Son of God, big G, verse 58, this is having the second order of Melchizedek priesthood sealed upon him, and thus having power to command the elements. So this is what the Lord means in verse 9 of Isaiah 51, awake, arise, clothe yourself with power, O arm of Jehovah. There are no shortcuts on the path of ascension, and everyone who would ascend must go through the same process of ascension as the Lord's end-time servant will go through, but he does it first, and he opens the heavens, and he makes it possible for all those who will enter in to do precisely as he has done. And I often hear people say, well, I do not need any man um, to assist me. My relationship is strictly between myself and God. And to those I say, well, if you have entered into Christ's presence in his glory, if he has made you a king and priest, a queen or priestess, if you've had the vision of all things, the end from the beginning, if you have received the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, then you're right. Um, if you have power to command the elements, then absolutely you are in no need of the Lord's end time servant. Um, you can just go directly to God. But if you do not meet all those criteria, then you are in need of the end time servant and the delivery that he will bring and the victory over all of the enemies of the Lord that will be accomplished at his hand and the providing of food and water and shelter and clothing for those who are delivered from bondage. Awake, arise, clothe yourself with power, O arm of Jehovah. Bestir yourself as in ancient times, as in generations of old. Was it not you who carved up Rahab, who slew the dragon, 
Was it not you who dried up the sea? Now, you know, the dragon here has reference to, you know, that, you know, force in the end times who is the head of Egypt or the United States of America who makes alliance with the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, to bring the inhabitants of North America into bondage. And it will be by the hand of the Lord's end time servant that all hidden works, works of darkness are exposed. And those who are in alliance with the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, and the very king of Assyria, king of Babylon himself, are finally put down. Was it not you who dried up the sea? You know, the sea being a metaphor for the destructive power of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, meaning that Lord's end time servant provides safe harbor for God's people as they are delivered. The waters of the mighty deep and made of ocean depths a way by which the redeemed might pass. Again, miraculous deliverance, just as Moses delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea and provided safe passage for them and the destruction of the armies of Egypt who sought to destroy them. And the waters of the mighty deep and made of ocean depths away by which the redeemed might pass. You know, here Moses is another type of the Lord's end time servant. Let the ransomed of Jehovah return. Let them come singing to Zion their heads crowned with everlasting joy. Let them obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing flee away. I myself am your comforter. Who are you that you fear mortal man? The children of men who shall be turned to grass? Again, the situation into which we are going, you know, men's hearts will fail them. And to the carnal mind, it will not seem that there is any possibility for escape or for deliverance, so most will abandon themselves to destruction. But God's people know his voice, and they will wait upon him. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew in whom they trusted and believed that they would be delivered. But if not, they knew in whom they trusted. For there will be some who will be called to die martyrs' deaths. And if that is us, then hallelujah. Because it's exactly what was required at our hand that we might make it into the millennial period of peace. Isaiah 62, verses 6 through 12. I have appointed watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, who shall not be silent day or night. You who call upon Jehovah, let not up. So again, the Zion Jerusalem level are those who enter into and keep covenant with their God and qualify for deliverance from bondage. Those who receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus can be instructed 
about what is required of them to enter into the rest of the Lord. I have appointed watchmen upon your walls. Okay, these watchmen are those who are sent to deliver God's people out of bondage. Um, as a cross-reference, DNC 88, verse 74. And I give unto you who are the first labors in the last kingdom a commandment that you assemble yourselves together and organize yourselves and prepare yourselves and sanctify yourselves and purify your hearts and cleanse your minds and your feet before me that I may make you clean. Well, who are these first labors in the last kingdom? Well, during Joseph Smith's first ministry, they were those who were ordained with Joseph on June 4th, 1831 to the second order of Melchizedek priesthood. And thus the holy order, the celestial order of the gospel was restored to the earth for the period of Joseph Smith's lifetime. And those who were ordained with him became the candidates of those who would return in a second mission with Joseph to finish the restoration and participate as watchmen on the walls to gather God's people out from bondage and lead them to New Jerusalem. Continuing in DNC 88, verse 80, that ye may be prepared in all things when I shall send you again to magnify the calling whereinto I have called you and the mission with which I have commissioned you. Notice when I shall send you out again, not during this first ministry but the whole purpose of this first ministry is that you might prepare and prove, your, prove yourselves true and faithful to return with Joseph Smith before the second coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 81, behold, I sent you out to testify and warn the people and it becometh every man who hath been warned to warn his neighbor. That's us. We have been warned. Now we must warn our neighbor. Therefore, they are left without excuse and their sins are upon their own own heads. However, if there are those who might have been saved because the warning that we should have given them but did not, their sins are upon our heads and we will have to answer for them. Verse 83, he that seeketh me early shall find me and shall not be forsaken. Therefore, tarry ye and labor diligently that you may be perfected in your ministry to go forth among the Gentiles for the last time. All right, Gentiles here, just as among Book of Mormon prophets, as of, you know, three quarters of the way through 1 Nephi 13 refers to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, the going forth among the members of the church for the last time had no reference to Joseph Smith's first ministry, but to his second. And so this is an admonition both to Joseph during his first ministry and the first labors in the last kingdom with him <clears throat> to prepare for the second ministry when they would go forth amongst the Lord's house to gather out the strength of the Lord's house for the end time exodus. As many as the mouth of the Lord shall name to bind up the law and seal up the testimony and to prepare the saints for the hour of judgment, which is to come. That their souls may escape the wrath of God 
and the desolation of abomination, or as it is called elsewhere in scripture, the abomination of desolation, which begins in the Lord's own house, which awaits the wicked both in this world and in the world to come. Verily I say unto you, let those who are not the first elders continue in the vineyard until the mouth of the Lord shall call them for the last time is not yet come. And their garments are net, not yet clean from the blood of this generation. Now, DNC 101. Regarding these first labors in the last kingdom, who come forth a second time with Joseph. Verse 55. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants. Um, this is in his second commission where he's been gone over 175 years. And his identity is given in DNC 103, verse 21. Verily, verily, I say unto you that my servant Joseph Smith Jr. is the man to whom I liken the servant to whom the Lord of the vineyard spake in the parable which I've given unto you. Back in 101.55, the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, Joseph Smith Jr., in his second ministry, go and gather together the residue of my servants, or the first labors in the last kingdom that we just read about in DNC 88, who qualified to return with Joseph. And take all the strength of mine house, which are my warriors, my young men, they that are of middle age, also among all my servants, where the strength of mine house save those only whom I have appointed to tarry. That, verse 103, or DNC 103, verse 15, Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man, the end time servant, who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham, and he must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. Isaiah imagery for the end time servant. And so back to Isaiah 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain still till her righteousness shines like a light, her salvation like a flaming torch. Now throughout Isaiah, we have the pairing of righteousness and salvation. Righteousness being Lord's end time servant, salvation being Christ. And the end time servant or righteousness precedes the coming of salvation or Christ. The nation shall behold your righteousness, the end time servant, and all their rulers your glory. You shall be called by a new name, conferred by the mouth of Jehovah. Now, Righteousness and mouth hereby uh, being the Lord's end time servant. And his mission is to gather out the Lord's covenant people from the four corners of the earth and bring to them the doctrine of Christ and the fullness of the gospel, that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, at which time they receive a new name, even the name of Jesus Christ. Because while before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which does not happen at confirmation 
into the LDS church. Um, Christ, for the first time, extends his name to us as we become his sons and daughters, and it is verily a new name. And before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we can covenant that we're willing to take upon us his name. But all that means is that we covenant that we are willing to receive all of the experiences required for us to fully come to a broken and contrite spirit, which requires that we lay everything upon the altar and individually receive by revelation that which is individual to us, which is required of us that we must do to qualify for this ordinance and receive this new name. Then shall you be a crown of glory in the hand of Jehovah, a royal diadem in the palm of your God. You shall no more be called, shall be called the forsaken one, nor your land referred to as desolate. You shall be known as her in whom I delight, and your land considered espoused. For Jehovah shall delight in you, and your land shall be espoused. As a young man weds a virgin, so shall your sons wed you. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Or in other words, you will be gathered out of bondage, led on an end-time exodus. Receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then enter into the rest of the Lord. I have appointed watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, who shall not be silent day or night. These are those servants, the first laborers in the last kingdom, who are sent forth to lead you out of bondage. I have appointed watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, who shall not be silent day or night. You who call upon Jehovah, let not up, nor give him respite till he reestablishes Jerusalem and makes it renowned in the earth. Jehovah has sworn by his right hand, the Lord's end time servant, his mighty arm. I will no more let your grain be food for your enemies, nor shall foreigners drink the new wine you have toiled for. Those who harvest it shall eat it, giving praise to Jehovah. Those who gather it shall drink it within the environs of my sanctuary. Pass on, go through the gates, prepare the way of the people, excavate, pave a highway cleared of stones, raise the ensign to the nations, ensign being the Lord's end time servant. Jehovah has made proclamation to the end of the earth. Tell the daughter of Zion, see your salvation comes. The daughter of Zion be, being those who are gathered out and continue in the doctrine of Christ on the path of ascension, qualifying to meet their God in the city of New Jerusalem. Jehovah has made proclamation to the end of the earth. Tell the daughter of Zion, see your salvation comes, or prepare for the return of your king, even Jesus Christ. His reward with him, his work preceding him. They shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of Jehovah, 
and you shall be known as in demand, a city never deserted. Back to Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 4, every ravine must be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground must become level, the rough terrain a plain. Now, we have two metaphors here. The Lord's end time servants delivering God's covenant people and um, ascension of God's covenant people on the path of ascension. Receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and entering into the rest of the Lord. Verse 5. For the glory of Jehovah shall be revealed, and all flesh see it at once. By his mouth Jehovah has spoken it. Well, by his mouth is the Lord's end-time servant. Well, how does his end-time servant speak that all flesh shall see Christ? Well, it's through the restoration of the knowledge of the doctrine of Christ, that through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we might be instructed about how to part the veil and enter into the rest of the Lord in this life. Now, let's cross-reference DNC 103. Verse 20, talking about the end-time exodus. But I say unto you, mine angels shall go up before you. Now, who are the angels? Well, those men who have been sealed to the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, starting with Joseph, and also including those who work with those on the Exodus to help them ascend into the presence of Christ in his glory. You know, the 144,000, these are the angels. Mine angels shall go up before you and also my presence. Does this mean that Christ is going to come down and walk with us to establish New Jerusalem? No. It means that as we travel to New Jerusalem, um, God's people will be entering into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. They will be having an ascension experience like Moses in Moses 1 and Nephi in First Nephi chapter 11. For the glory of Jehovah shall be revealed, and all flesh see it at once. Now, all flesh seeing it at once is, you know, all people who are going to qualify to enter into New Jerusalem must first enter into the rest of the Lord before they qualify to enter into those gates. By his mouth, Jehovah has spoken it, the Lord's end time servant. DNC 76. Verses 53 and 54. After the baptism of fire, baptism only goes to verse 52. And who overcome by faith and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true, they are they who are the church of the firstborn. For these are they who have been instructed about how to part the veil and enter into the rest of the Lord. And thus become members of the church of the firstborn. 
DNC 77. Verse 11. And these are the ones who will be assisting them in that ascension process. What are we to understand by the sealing of the 144,000 out of all the tribes of Israel, 12,000 out of every tribe? Answer. We are to understand that those who are sealed are high priests, ordained under the holy order of God to administer the everlasting gospel. For they are they who are ordained out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people by the angels to whom is given power over the nations of the earth to bring as many as will come to the church of the firstborn. Well, do the 144,000 gather just anybody to the church of the firstborn? No. They only gather those who've received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. They're working with them on the exodus to enter into the rest of the Lord, which is to become a member of the church of the firstborn. First Nephi, chapter 10. Verse 17, and it came to pass that after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God, and the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see and hear and know the things, these things by the power of the Holy Ghost which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in the time that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. This is Nephi's final preparation to enter into the rest of the Lord in 1 Nephi chapter 11. And verse 19. For he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them. Well, the mysteries of God that shall be unfolded unto them is the instruction about how to enter into the rest of the Lord in this life. By the power of the Holy Ghost, as well in times of old, as well in times of old as in times to come. Wherefore, the course of the Lord is one eternal round. And chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that after I had desired to know the things that my father had seen, and believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me, as I sat pondering in my heart, I was caught away in the spirit of the Lord, yea, into that exceedingly high mountain, which I never had before seen, and upon which I never had before set my foot." Nephi is not just having a visionary experience. He's not just seeing into the seventh heaven or the high mountain, which is not an earthly mountain, but the heavenly mountain. He has been taken there. He's having an ascension experience. He is about to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, who is Christ. His calling election made sure. And the Spirit said unto me, Behold, what desirest thou? And I said, I desire to behold the things which my father saw. And the Spirit said unto me, Believest thou that thy father saw the tree of which he hath spoken, and I said, Yea, thou knowest that I believe all the words of my Father. And when I had spoken these words, the Spirit of the Lord cried with a loud voice, saying, Hosanna to the Lord of the Most High God, for he is God over all the earth. 
Yea, even above all, and blessed art thou, Nephi, because thou believest in the Son of the Most High God. Wherefore thou shalt behold the things which thou hast desired. DNC 93. Verse 1, verily thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins and cometh unto me and calleth on my name and obeyeth my voice. And may I say that Nephi just gave us an example of doing exactly this. And keepeth my commandments shall see my face and know that I am in the flesh. DNC 88. Verses 3 through 5. Wherefore I now send upon you another comforter. Another comforter being the second comforter. The first comforter being the Holy Ghost. Second comforter being Christ. Even upon you, my friends, that it may abide in your hearts, even the Holy Spirit of promise, who is Christ. Which other comforter is the same that I promised unto my disciples, as is recorded in the testimony of John. This comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life, even the glory of the celestial kingdom, which glory is that of the church of the firstborn, even of God, the holiest of all, through Jesus Christ, his son. And... Finally, Moroni 7, verse 3. Wherefore, I would speak unto you who are the church, that are the peaceable followers of Christ, and that have obtained a sufficient hope. Moroni is speaking directly to us those who are preparing for and who will be on the end-time exodus. That ye have obtained a sufficient hope by which ye can enter into the rest of the Lord from this time henceforth until ye shall rest with him in heaven. Here Moroni makes a distinction between resting with the Lord in heaven in the next life and entering into the rest of the Lord while in the flesh. And part of this obtaining sufficient hope <clears throat> is to do what is required of us to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then start that period of asking and knocking. We might have the mysteries of God revealed unto us to be instructed about how to enter into the rest of the Lord. Back in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5. For the glory of Jehovah shall be revealed, and all flesh see it at once. By his mouth, Jehovah has spoken it. A voice said, announce it, or declare the doctrine of Christ. And the whole purpose of the doctrine of Christ is to become sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, that we might be brought into his presence in this life. And I asked, how shall I announce it. 
all flesh is grass. And at its best, like a blossom of the field. And as a cross-reference, I would go to Moses chapter 1. Now, few men have ever known the pomp and circumstance that this earth has to offer, as did Moses growing up a prince in Egypt. But once he came into Christ's presence in his glory. Verse 10. And it came to pass that it was for the space of many hours before the strength, before Moses did again receive his natural strength like unto man. And he said unto himself, now for this cause I know that man is nothing, which thing I never had supposed. When one comes into Christ's presence in his glory, one realizes as they never could have before, how desperately they need a savior and that awful chasm that separates us from him. And so the end time servant, by this time having entered into the rest of the Lord and knowing that man is nothing, declares, how shall I announce it? All flesh is grass and at its best like a blossom of the field. Though the Spirit of Jehovah breathe within it, the people themselves are but herbage. Grass that withers, flowers that fade. Only the word of our God endures forever. Scale the mountain heights. Well, scaling the mountain heights is to enter into the rest of the Lord by entering into covenant with him. O Zion, herald of good tidings, raise your voice mightily. O Jerusalem, messenger of good news, make yourself heard. Be not afraid. Proclaim to the cities of Judah, behold your God. So on the exoduses, God's people will be entering into his rest that they might be prepared to enter into new and old Jerusalem. And it will be under the direction of Lord's end time servant and the 144 who will work with them. Verse 10, see, my Lord Jehovah comes with power. His arm presides for him. His arm presiding for him, meaning his end time servant. So the end time servant isn't accomplishing his own work. He's accomplishing the work of Jesus Christ as if Jesus Christ were accomplishing it himself. His reward is with him. His work precedes him. Or in other words, the preparation for the return of Christ in his glory is accomplished by the end time servant. Like a shepherd, he pastures his flock. The lambs he gathers up with his arm and carries in his bosom. The ewes that give milk, he leads gently along. So here we have the concept of different strata of people who are to be led out. At the top of that strata, we have the shepherd, the end time servant, um, who leads the lambs. Now, lambs are newly born. So as the doctrine of Christ is taken to the world and declared unto them, um, these are our new concepts. But 
those who receive them with gladness and are willing to do whatever is required qualifies the lambs. He gathers them up with his arm, his arm being the Lord's end time servant, and carries in his bosom. The ewes, or those who are older sheep, or the servants who minister to the lambs under the shepherd, or the servants, the first laborers in the last kingdom, and then those that minister with them in the process of gathering out God's people and leading them to New Jerusalem. And this whole concept that the use that give milk or those who work under the direction of the servant to declare the fullness of the gospel, the doctrine of Christ, the path of ascension, the path where which God's people might qualify for deliverance. Who measured out the waters with the hollow of his hand and gauged the heavens by the span of his fingers? Who complied the earth's dust by measure or who compiled the earth's dust by measure, weighing mountains in scales, hills in a balance? Who has comprehended the spirit of Jehovah that a man should let him know his plan? Of whom was he counseled that he might be enlightened by whom instructed in the path of discretion, imparting to him knowledge, acquainting him with the way of understanding. The nations are but drops from a bucket, counting no more than dust on a balance. The isles he displaces as mere specks. Lebanon would not suffice to kindle a fire, nor all its beasts be adequate for sacrifice. Before him, all nations are as nothing, as less than ether, they will be reckoned by him. To whom then will you liken God? What does he resemble in your estimation? A figure cast by the artisan overlaid by the smith with gold, fitted with a silver chain from a craftsman? The artisan encourages the smith, and he who beats with a hammer urges him who pounds the anvil. They say of the welding, it is good, though they fasten it with riveting, that it may not come loose. Those too poor for this type of sacrifice select a wood that resists decay. <clears throat> they seek an expert sculptor to carve them an image that will not deteriorate. Are you unaware that you have not heard? Have you not been told before that you do not understand by whom the earth was founded? By him who sits enthroned above the earth's sphere, to whom its inhabitants are as grasshoppers, who suspends the heavens like a canopy, stretching them out as a tent to dwell in. So Isaiah is speaking of the Lord to those who would lose hope that the destructive power of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, is too great, that there is no possibility for deliverance. Isaiah is saying, are you kidding? The destructive power, the bondage that you have been brought into is nothing compared to the power that Jesus Christ has to deliver and to save and to heal and to forgive. Trust his servant.
who prepares the earth for his return. For he has been endowed with the power of God. Verse 22. By him who sits enthroned above the earth's sphere, to whom its inhabitants are as grasshoppers, who suspends the heavens like a canopy, stretching them out as a tent to dwell in. By him who brings potentates to naught and makes the authorities of the world null and void, when scarcely they are planted or scarcely they are sown, when hardly their stock has taken root in the earth, he puffs at them and they wither. When scarcely they are planted, or scarcely they are sown, when hardly their stock has taken root in the earth, he puffs at them and they wither, and a storm sweeps them off as chaff. Or the leaders of the world and those who exercise its might and power um, are as a newly planted stock who has just begun to spring up um, in perspective to the overwhelming power of God. Now, God is saying to his people, do not fear. I have the power to deliver you. Verse 25, to whom then will you liken me? To whom can I be compared, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes heavenward and see who formed these. He who brings forth their host by number, calling each one by name, because he is almighty and all-powerful, not one is unaccounted for. Why then do you say, O Jacob, and speak thus, O Israel, remember Jacob and Israel, is the level of God's covenant people who have not yet repented and returned who have not yet entered into the new and everlasting covenant, being willing to receive whatever is required of them to come to a broken heart, contrite spirit. But the opportunity is extended to them. Our path has become obscured from Jehovah. Our cause is overlooked by our God. Is it not known to you? Have you not heard? Jehovah is the God of eternity, creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. <clears throat> His intelligence cannot be fathomed. You know, this could be likened unto the Latter-day Saints that say, wait a second. I have a valid temple recommend. I have a temple ceiling. I have been fulfilling my calling. Why have I been allowed to be brought into bondage? And why does there not seem to be any prospect of deliverance for me? For I have my e-ticket to the celestial kingdom. This is Jacob Israel. Why then do you say, O Jacob, and speak thus, O Israel? Our path has become obscured from Jehovah. Our cause is overlooked by our God. They think God has forsaken them. When in actuality, they have rejected the fullness of the gospel. And they have forsaken their God replacing 
the works of man with the works of salvation or replacing the works of salvation and exaltation, which is the doctrine of Christ and the path of ascension with the works of man. But the Lord says to them, repent and return, and I will deliver you, and you may yet still be my people, and I will be your God. Is it not known to you, verse 28? Have you not heard Jehovah is the God of eternity, creator of the ends of the earth? He does not now faint or grow weary. His intelligence cannot be fathomed. He supplies the weary with energy and increases in vigor those who lack strength. You know, I have heard of many who are infirm, who have great disability or injury or sickness, very concerned about how can I possibly make it and endure on the exodus. Well, do not lose hope. God will heal you. God will make you equal to the task at hand. Verse 30, you grow faint and weary and young men slump down of exhaustion. But they who hope in Jehovah shall be renewed in strength. They shall ascend as on eagles' wings. They shall run without wearying. They shall walk and not faint. They shall ascend on eagles' wings. These are those who will enter into the rest of the Lord, into the presence of Jesus Christ in the fullness of his glory in preparation for his return on the morning of the first resurrection. Isaiah 42. Or Isaiah 41. Verse 1. Be silent before me, O isles. Become still, you peoples. Let them come forward and state their case. Let us stand trial together. Who has raised up righteousness from the east, calling him to the place of his foot? Who has delivered nations to him, toppled their rulers, rendering them as dust to his sword, as driven stubble to his bow? He puts them to flight, passing on unhindered by paths his feet have never trod. So here, the end-time servant and Jesus Christ himself are being likened unto the mighty warrior from whom none can conquer. Isaiah 41, verse 2. Who has raised up righteousness from the east, calling him to the place of his foot? Who has delivered nations to him, toppled their rulers, rendering them as the dust to his sword, as driven stubble to his bow? He puts them to flight, passing on unhindered. By paths, his feet have never trod. 
Who is at work accomplishing this? For ordaining dynasties by Jehovah, first and last Emhim. The isles look on in fear. The ends of the earth are trembling. They flock together and come to one another's aid, saying each to his fellow courage. But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, offspring of Abraham, my beloved friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, called from its farthest limits, to you I say, you are my servant. I have accepted you and not rejected you. So again, this is the Jacob-Israel category of people. God's covenant people who he has brought into contact with the fullness of his gospel, but who have not yet entered into the new covenant. They still have the opportunity. Be not fearful, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will also succor you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, all who are enraged at you shall earn shame and disgrace. Your adversaries shall come to naught and perish. Should you look for those who contend with you, you shall not find them. Whoever wars against you shall be reduced to nothing. If you will repent and return and become my people. For I, Jehovah, your God, hold you by the right hand and say to you, have no fear. I will help you. My right hand being a metaphor for the Lord's end time servant. I will deliver you from destruction and from bondage. If you wait upon me. If you will receive the covenants that I extend to you, be not afraid, you worms of Jacob. O men of Israel, be not dismayed. I am your help, says Jehovah. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. I will make of you a sharp tooth threshing sledge of new design full of spikes. You shall thresh mountains to dust and make chaff of hills. Again, we have. This, this concept of, you know, Jehovah's right hand being a warrior. And those who serve under him also being warriors. As you winnow them, a wind shall take them away, a tempest dispel them. Then will you rejoice in Jehovah, the glory and glory in the Holy One of Israel. This is the concept of the separation of the wheat and the tares, first among the Latter-day Saints and then among all peoples of the whole earth. <clears throat> and regarding that separation of wheat and tares among the Latter-day Saints, DNC 101. First, verse 55, the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, Go and gather together the residue of my servants. They gather out the strength of the Lord's house. That, verse 64, that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue. Because it started during Joseph Smith's first ministry, it continues during his second. That I may build them up unto my name upon holy places, for the time of harvest is come, and my word must needs be fulfilled. These holy places is 
are those places that spring forth an oasis from the desert, as we've been reading in Isaiah, on the end time exodus. Therefore, I must gather together my people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life and be crowned with celestial glory when I shall come in the kingdom of my father to reward every man according as his work shall be, while the tares shall be bound in bundles, their bands made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. This is exactly what these verses in Isaiah are talking about. Verse 15, I will make you a sharp-toothed threshing sledge of new design full of spikes. You shall thresh mountains to dust and make chaff of hills. As you winnow them, a wind shall take them away. So the wind is Jehovah's end-time servant um, and the destructive power of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. So as the separation of wheat and tares take place, the wheat will be secured in the garners to possess eternal life or to be led out on the exodus, while the tares will be destroyed, their bands made strong and prepared for the fire uh, or the destructive action of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, first among the Latter-day Saints and then among the peoples of the whole earth. A tempest dispelled them, then will you rejoice in Jehovah? those who are the wheat who have been separated from the tares and led out of bondage and the glory in the Holy one of Israel. When the poor and the needy require wadi water and there is none and their tongue becomes parched with thirst. Again, we have this concept that there will be worldwide devastation and um, a condition of desperate insufficiency. I, Jehovah, will answer their want. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up streams in barren hill country, springs in the midst of the plains. I will turn the desert into lakes, parched land into fountains of water. I will bring cedars and acacias, myrtles and oleasters in the wilderness. I will place cypresses, elms, and box trees in the steppes that all may see it and know Consider it and perceive that Jehovah's hand did this, that the Holy One of Israel created it. Or in other words, Jesus Christ will show his power to the nations of the earth through his end-time servant and through the servants who will be sent to gather out and deliver God's people from the four corners of the earth. Verse 21. Present your case, says Jehovah. Submit your evidence, says the king of Jacob. Let them come forward and recount to us their prophecies of events heretofore. What were they? Tell us that we may examine them and know whether they were fulfilled or predict the future for us. For there will be many false prophets who will come forth. And the prophecies that they will extend will come to naught. And here their feet is being held to the fire. You know, what are your prophecies? Why did they not come true? Let them come forward and recount to us their prophecies of events heretofore. What were they? Tell us that we may examine them 
and know whether they were fulfilled or predict the future for us. Tell us of events to come hereafter so that we may know you are God's. Perform something good or evil at which we will be dazzled and all stand in awe. It is clear you are of no account, that your works amount to nothing. Whoever accepts you is himself an abomination. DNC 45, verse 56 and 57. And at that day when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived, verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. So while there are many paths that are out there. And there are many who would say it doesn't matter what path you take. They are all the same. Um, in fact, there is only one path. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the doctrine of Christ. It is the new and everlasting covenant of a broken and contrite spirit, receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then entering into the rest of the Lord. There is no other path. And if whatever path we are on does not teach the doctrine of Christ and how to fulfill the doctrine of Christ, how to enter into the new covenant, it is a strange path. And even though a person may be really good, they are foolish, for they have not taken the Holy Spirit as their guide. Therefore, they are deceived and do not find the truth and don't make it. Many would say, do not criticize anybody. Um, but here, Isaiah is using you know, a test um, to separate the false prophet from the true prophet. Um, for there are many in our day who are false prophets, both with official ecclesiastical recognition and those who do not have official ecclesiastical recognition. And how are we to know uh, what path is right, what path is true? Well, what path is based upon the gospel of Jesus Christ? What path teaches a broken heart and contrite spirit, baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, entering into the rest of the Lord? preparing for the end-time exodus. It's all contained in the Book of Mormon. It's all contained in the Doctrine and Covenants. You know, these are our guides. And a man or woman who has the Spirit with them, who studies these things out and takes their conclusion to the Lord, will receive a witness by the power of the Holy Ghost that these things are true, and that there is no other path. There is no other gate. There is no way back to Jesus Christ except through his gospel. There is no way back to Father, except in and through his son, Jesus Christ. And all paths are not straight. All paths, but that straight and narrow one are crooked and do not lead to eternal life. Verse 24. 
It is clear you are of no account, that your works amount to nothing. Whoever accepts you as himself and accepts you is himself an abomination. I have raised up one from the north who calls on my name, who shall come from the direction of sunrise. This is the end time Davidic servant. He shall come upon dignitaries as on mud, tread them as clay like a potter, which will stand in sharp contradistinction to all the false prophets who will not have the power to deliver anybody from the hands of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. And I would say that the Lord is the only one who can establish Zion. And how does he do that? He does that by first establishing individuals who are a, <coughs> a Zion people by entering into and keeping covenant with him. And then through his end time servant, he will gather the Zion individuals. And at the commencement of the end time exodus, Zion is established. And all those who seek to establish Zion um, before the end time servant begins the end time exodus will file, will find that their works will end in futility because they have not the keys. They have not the task. They have not the assignment. Um, for the task, the assignment of all who would be servants of God is to warn others as they have been warned, to declare the doctrine of Christ from the rooftops. And this is the work of all of those who have desires to serve God. Verse 27, but to Zion, he shall be its harbinger. I will appoint him as a herald of good tidings to Jerusalem. So the Lord must appoint um, the end time servant. He endows him with his power. And he alone is endowed with the power to deliver from the destructive power of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. Verse 28, for when I looked, there was no one, not one who could offer counsel, or when I questioned them, who could answer a word. Surely they are all iniquitous, their works worthless, their outpourings, but wind and emptiness. So in conclusion, once the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, or that entity in the last days that has amassed to itself a political, economic, and military power, becomes the staff in the Lord's left hand to first bring into bondage and then to destroy the world. Once we have been brought into bondage, the Lord's end-time servant will come on the scene. For before he comes on the scene, as Isaiah says, he remains as a hidden shaft in the quiver of the Lord. And, you know, what is he doing as a hidden shaft in the quiver of the Lord? In addition to sealing up those unto 
you know, bondage and destruction, who will ultimately fall under bondage and destruction. Um, as we read in First Nephi chapter 13, he will bring forth the record of the 12 apostles and the record of the prophets, or the full translation of the New Testament and the translation of the brass plates of the Old Testament. Both of these records will stand hand to hand uh, with the Book of Mormon, that those who were gathered out on the Exodus <clears throat> might take them um, to gather Israel and convert the Christians of the earth to the doctrine of Christ, that it is the, doc that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Book of Mormon and the book, record of the prophets to the Jews, that a separation might happen among them, that all might be gathered on an exodus to establish New Jerusalem, to establish Old Jerusalem again as a holy city. And I would refer, refer you to History of the Church, Volume 5, page 401. Joseph Smith says, I am like a huge rough stone rolling down from a high mountain. And the only polishing I get is when some corner gets rubbed off by coming in contact with something else, striking with accelerated force against religious bigotry, priestcraft, lawyercraft, doctorcraft, lying editors, suborned judges and jurors, and the authority of perjured executives backed by mobs, blasphemers, licentious, and corrupt men and women. All hell knocking off a corner here and a corner there. Now listen to this next line. Thus I will become a smooth and polished shaft in the quiver of the Almighty, <clears throat> who will give me dominion over all and over every one of them when their refuge of lies shall fall, and their hiding places shall, <clears throat> shall be destroyed. While these smooth polished stones with which I came in contact become marred. Now, this has not reference to Joseph Smith's first ministry, but to his second. As a cross reference, DNC or Isaiah 42. Verse 1. Behold my servant, whom I, am, whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles, to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall not break, and the smoldering flax shall not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto the truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isle shall wait for his law. Thus saith the Lord God that created heaven and earth and stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and the spirit to them that walk therein. 
I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and will give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light to the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out of the prisoners, to bring out the prisoners from prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. And in Isaiah 49. Listen, O isles of the sea, unto me. Hearken ye people from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. This is talking about the Lord's end time servant. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft in his quiver that he hath hid me. And said unto me, thou art my servant. Again, the quote from Joseph Smith in History of the Church. Thus I will become a smooth and polished shaft in the quiver of the Almighty. Notice the future tense language of Joseph Smith's uh, words. Thus I will become a smooth and polished shaft in the quiver of the Almighty in my second ministry. Who will give me dominion over all and every one of them when their refuge of lies shall fall. That did not happen during his first ministry. It happens during his second. And their hiding places shall be destroyed. Again, that did not happen during Joseph Smith's first ministry. It happens during his second. While these smooth polished stones with which I come to contact become marred. Again, Isaiah 49. And he hath made me. This is the end time servant talking. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. So in conclusion, world events are playing out exactly as they have been prophesied. That period of bondage is being set up, which we will soon come into. And those who will enter into covenant with their God, who, as it says in 3 Nephi chapter 9, verse 20, will offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. Them will Christ plead their case before Father. And when he receives permission from Father to adopt them as sons or daughters, then will the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, be performed. And they will receive a new name even the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and they will become God's people, and he will become their God. And he will instruct them, if they continue to knock and to ask, 
the mysteries of godliness will be given unto them. Even the key of the knowledge of God, the, the key of the mysteries of the kingdom. And on the exodus, they will enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory. And they will participate in establishing new Jerusalem. When the end time exodus meets up with the return of Enoch and his city to the earth. And from New Jerusalem, servants will be sent to the four corners of the earth to finish the gathering of Israel, including among the Jews. And old Jerusalem will become again a holy city in final preparation for the return of Christ in his glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.